Well, this is the Child Discipleship Podcast powered by Awana. I'm Ross. Thank you for listening. I am so glad that you're here today. I am joined by Ben Bennett, as well as Zach Wilson and Matt Markins, uh, three very important guests for a very critical conversations. So Zach Wilson is the new CEO of Josh McDowell Ministries. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ross. It's great to be here. And Ben is an author, a podcast host. There's a good chance your kids are following him on a social media platform. And uh, you're the director of Resolution Movement, which is a ministry of Josh McDowell Ministries. So Ben, welcome to the podcast. Ross, it's so good to be with you. Looking forward to uh, hanging out today. Yeah. And Matt, I am always glad to be doing this with you, sir. Likewise, Ross, always good to be with you. Zach, I want to start with you, sir, because I want folks to understand what Josh McDowell Ministry is, but also, you know, you're stepping into the CEO role and what you're most excited about for the direction that Josh McDowell Ministries is heading very broadly. Josh McDowell Ministry, for those who don't know, has been around for almost 60 years now. And what began in, uh, we're on a community college campus where Josh was an agnostic and was kind of challenging Christians in their faith. They, they suggested that he do some research and prove them wrong. What began there led to him exploring deeper, like what is the truth of what Christians claim? How can we know that it's true? Exploring manuscript evidence, exploring the, the research behind Jesus claiming that he was God and that he's, he resurrected from the dead. And ultimately it brought him to faith. And so over the past nearly six decades, Josh has not only been teaching those timeless truths, which never change, he's also been seeking to understand what is the current cultural context and where does that collide with these timeless truths? And let's help people understand uh, the reasonable faith that we have in Christianity and help them provide answers for, for others who are asking. And so really it's about going beneath the surface. It's about uh, helping people not just know what they believe, but then why they believe it, and then very importantly, how to live it out. And so as Josh McDowell Ministries' new CEO, I'm thrilled about this season. Like to begin with, I would just say, it's amazing to me that for whatever reason in God's sovereignty, he invites us into the work that he's doing. Amen. Sometimes I get caught up in the day-to-day, but when I have a minute to step back, I'm just floored by that fact. And not only does he do it in a generic sense, but he, he actually involves each one of us in our unique capacities and the ways that he's created us. And so that, that blows me away, but also that, that he uh, is faithful to build off of the work that he's been doing for decades. So Josh has been doing this significant ministry and continues to uh, even into his eighties now, but he's also inviting us as a ministry into how do we continue this effective work, joining God in what he's already doing for the decades ahead, Lord willing, six plus decades ahead. And so I'm excited to be a part of this transition era. Um, I'm excited about the fact that uh, we get to work with people like you guys at Awana and we're moving in the same direction. And I just recognize that right now in this post-Christian context, man, the beneath the surface work is essential. It's always been necessary, but even more obvious that it's necessary in this day and age. And so I look forward to some of the discussion that we're going to get into today, where yeah. we start talking a little bit more about that beneath the surface work. 
Zach and Ben, it's a, uh, it's a huge uh, honor for us to get to engage with you guys. So we do have something in common, uh, you know, Josh McDowell, you could honestly say he's no longer young. You might call him. He's, he's kind of older. Guess what? So is Awana. Awana has been around 73 <laughs> years. So, wow. so we have something in common, but uh, I think there's more than that we have in common. Uh, talk, talk to us about probably like Awana, although you might be an older ministry, you have a fresh vision for the future. You're mm-hmm. you're standing on the shoulders of giants. You're standing on the shoulders of uh, people like Josh and our founders who who plowed, uh, pioneered a, a pathway forward and have done amazing ministry. But there's new ministry that's being birthed right now. So we'd love to hear, like, what's your vision for the future? What is Josh McDowell Ministries doing in this season? And what's coming up on the horizon? Well, Ben, I'll take this one more generally, and then you can get more specific with resolution. Well, Matt, I was just listening to your podcast on the three shifts that you uh, mentioned in the fall last night. And I think where I see the future is really in relation to number two and number three, where we are thinking more formational. So we can have a vision of, of believers who live, support, and share their faith, which is our vision around the globe. But what kinds of things do those believers do? And how are those habits? How are those mindsets? How is that worldview shaped? How is that formed? And so really considering the work of habit formation and uh, spiritual formation is important in our future. I would also say that one of the, the core realities of our ministry, I'd say it's probably the core of who we are, is the idea of truth in the context of relationships. And I think this really gets at the third shift of um, being the primary as children's ministers or being the equippers. Well, yeah. why, why is it parents who should be the primary? I would suggest that one of the main reasons is because they're there day in and day out. They are the ones who are in deep relationship with the children. And so it's not just a matter of this, uh, this information or um, truth, let's say. It's also incarnational. It's also in relationship. And Josh would even say all truth was given for relationships and all truth is, is makes the most sense in the context of relationships. So we're still on kind of an exploratory journey of what does that look like for a 21st century uh, Christian context? What does that look like, not just in the U.S., but globally? But those are a couple of things that I'd highlight. We will 100% continue to uh, talk about truth and relationship in, in an integrated way. And it really is about forming over time in depth, disciples who really do follow Jesus and they're willing to go to their cross on his behalf. Mm. And as we shift to Ben, uh, for our listeners, I'm going to fill in those gaps from memory here. You talked about the three shifts. I mm-hmm. believe you're talking about the shift from children's ministry to child discipleship. That was shift number one. Shift number two is two is helping the church shift from attractional ministry to formational ministry. By the way, it's not that attractional is not important. It's simply saying a person who's being formed is attractive in and of themselves. Think of about the people that you admire so much. They're people who have grown in Christ and you are just drawn to them by his spirit. So how do we help the church move from attractional ministry to formational ministry with children and students? And then the third shift, as you mentioned, Zach, is the shift from primary to equipping, meaning we've said for so many years, parents are the 
primary influence, spiritual influence over their kids, which is theologically and practically true, but we have to move beyond that. We have to shift to, okay, that's great. Let's equip them. So the shift toward child discipleship, the shift toward formational ministry and the shift toward equipping, those are three shifts we see happening in the research, but also just by being students of the culture, that's what we see happening all around us. And so Mm -hmm. let's go a little deeper, Ben, like, you know, ride that wave that Zach was just, uh, uh, right in there. And let's, let's, uh, take this, uh, little further real quick. Well, just also Matt unpacks those shifts in greater detail. We'll link to that episode in the show notes. I just want to make sure people understand that if that, if you want to pause there and go listen to that, if you're all in on that, that resource is available. But to if you, you do, you've got to come back. You've yes. got to come back and hear what Ben's about to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was about six years ago that I somehow landed a zoom call with Josh McDowell and his team and pitched the idea of coming to work with him, being the first speaker, being mentored by him and selling all my possessions and leaving my family and friends behind and moving across the country. uh, Like you do, like you do. Yeah. Yeah. Like you do. It was like a all in kind of pitch. And, um, one of the things I loved that I, I quickly realized about Josh was just how empowering and future focused he, he is to reaching people and helping people understand why they believe what they believe. And so rather than him sitting back and saying, I've been doing this for 60 years, like it's, it's, I'm going to be the only speaker. Like I know everything. He, he was, he quickly said, I'm going to learn so much from you. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, and so after meetings and eventually moving down here, one of the things I, I quickly realized was, okay, Josh has this longstanding integrity, uh, respect, research. Um, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, he was very well known of a young, among young people uh, in the apologetics field. And yet here, you know, six years ago, his his focus was, okay, there's, there's younger people coming in. There's younger people that I can disciple. There's younger people who, who know things that I'm going to learn from and, and they're going to learn from me. And so let's team up, let's do research, let's reach people today and figure out the best way to do it. And so over the past six years, um, I think as, as we step into a new day and age with Josh McDowell ministry and resolution movement, uh, it's been, led by the humility and empowerment of, um, I won't say how old Josh is, but an older stage uh, of a man with a brilliant <laughs> legacy who has just unleashed uh, younger people to to go after it. And that's the only reason uh, I would say by God's grace that we've been able to reach so many people for Christ on TikTok. In the past six months, 85,000 people have commented that they've prayed to give their lives to Christ. I'm primarily reaching Gen Alpha on TikTok. Even though you're supposed to be 18 and up, um, most of these people are six to 15 and they're coming to faith and, and being discipled on on TikTok. And, and that has just come as a result of the legacy of, of Josh to say, hey, we value innovation. We value young people. We value creative ideas let me empower you in the next generation here to move into the future in this country, in the U S partner with other organizations and may the kingdom come. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. And 
I think it's a great example of the direction you guys are going. And I know it actually led to a the new book that you and Josh did together, Free to Thrive, which is available now. Can you tell folks about that? Josh and I spent about three years working on this book, Free to Thrive. And one of the big themes was we realized, man, in our world, especially after 2020, there's there's so much brokenness. Our spiritual life is often separated from our emotional life, our relationships, our physical health. And yet what we see in the Bible, Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. In that scripture alone, talking about Jesus' growth, there's a spiritual, emotional, relational, and physical discipleship component. And yet how have so many of us, I know myself for years, gotten so um, disconnected from that model of growth. And so what we began to find in our research was that many people's struggles, their sin struggles, uh, mental health issues, hurts, lies they believe about God stemmed from these different um, disconnections in their life a lack of relational needs being met, a lack of knowing who God says they are, a lack of being connected to community. And so ultimately our thesis statement for the book, I would say, is that unmet longings lead to unwanted behaviors and met longings lead to uh, healing and wholeness. And we can get more into to what that what that looks like in our life, but ultimately what we see as problems in our life, these things that we've struggled so much to get rid of, are ultimately signals trying to tell us something um, that God has put within our hearts. And when we start listening to those signals, we can find out the way to be healed, to thrive, to go deeper in our relationships with Jesus and others. Ross, can I jump in here and acknowledge, maybe you might be feeling this too, Ross, just some tension in the conversation as it relates to nuance of the conversation of children, students, and social media. So this is a very broad, it's a big conversation. It's very nuanced. And when I, when I think about aspects of this, like I have two sons who live in this house right here. They're, they're, they're currently at college, but they live at home and they drive for school every day anyway. But my sons have chosen on their own. We did not tell them to, they've chosen to do virtually no social media they're working on getting real spaces and people, you know, lots of human interaction and mentors and all this sort of stuff. And then you have other students, Christians or church going kids who are highly engaged in social media. So, so what's our message here? What are, what are we saying uh, in in this conversation, which could go all these different ways? How how would you kind of respond to that, Ben? Um, I would say, With social media, I I think social media is a tool. I don't think it's necessarily a, you have to use it, you can't use it. I think, I know for for me at times, I've taken a break from social media because it's actually been so good for my my mental health. Um, And what the way we use social media is we say, okay, it's such, it can be such a dark place. There's so many people on that, on there. There's so much, so much unhealthy stuff there. We want to be a light in that dark place. And we want to reach a lot of people by doing that. And yet our long-term goal is never just TikTok, just social media. Um, It is to connect people to churches, to embodied relationships. 
And, and so we use it as primarily a tool to get people into the long-term uh, discipleship and relationships wow. and healing, which happens in the church, in therapy, in Awana. And um, yeah. that would be my response. This is so, this is so powerful. That's so good. Cause if, I, if I'm a parent listening, I might be thinking, I'm trying to get my kids off of TikTok. What are you talking about? Right? So, so what, what Josh McDowell ministries is doing here is finding ways uh, to pe people who are probably more skilled at this than the average parent listening, who knows how to have these conversations with students who have tools and resources to reach them. Not so that the, you know, the end game is, Hey, I, as a student, now I'm going to spend even more time in social media, but so you're, you're providing a bridge for these kids to walk across, to be introduced to Jesus, uh, to get access uh, to God's word and to get access to faith communities, Christian communities that are going to disciple them. So I just want to make the distinction between your, you might have some students who are a little farther along in their walk who are saying, I actually want less social media in my life. Cause I want more of discipleship or I want more of other things that are life-giving, but for the, the masses of children and students who are out there engaging in this stuff, you guys are giving them a bridge to walk across, to invite them into a relationship of, with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. So one of the things that is common between the three of you on this call and very much not common with me is all three of you have spent a lot of time engaged in research projects. Um, and those of you who are listening, who are my teachers, you know, that that was not my jam. So the, I want to focus on what is some somewhat of a fruit of social media, which is, I think folks understand, you know, Matt, you're talking about this tension. I think everybody understands and feels that, you know, kids today are experiencing mental health issues, anxiety in unprecedented levels. But one of the things that I've always found so helpful about, you know, listening to what you, how you talk about this, Ben, listening to what you guys are talking about over at Josh McDowell or Matt, how you describe it every week is it provides language and context to what leaders need to know to, about what kids today are facing and how it is different from what previous generations went through. So, Ben, I want to start with you because this is kind of the pool you swim in deepest. How would you articulate, you know, even for you and I, what kids today are facing in navigating anxiety and mental health challenges versus what was even different even just 10 years ago? There's so many different stats I, I could think about and, and whatnot. Um, one of the large ones that Pew Research came out with a couple of years ago was that 70% of teens say anxiety and depression are major issues amongst their peers, and that suicide is still the second leading cause of death among young people. And we've seen such a rise in anxiety and depression in Gen Z, Gen Alpha, and there's a lot of things I, I could attribute that to. Some people would say social media, but one of the things I've kind of realized is that I think, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily causation by social media. I think it's, there was this level of disconnection already there and social media has exasperated it. And so it's give your kid a tablet or get on social media or parents on social media, youth leaders on social media, whatever. This further causes the division between that deep relational connection that all which, of us need. Which is exactly that tension, Matt, that you're describing, right? Like yep. what you guys are able to do is build that bridge, which bridges yeah. that, or excuse me, which actually is creates real relationship. Sorry, go ahead. And one of the things we found in our, in our research um, was that all throughout the Bible, 
And in psychology and sociology, there are these seven basic human longings or needs. This gets beyond like the food, water, shelter conversation, but these relational needs like acceptance, attention, safety, and these were designed to be perfectly fulfilled in the Garden of Eden by God and others, yet here in a fallen world, um, those, and this is what I was talking about earlier, the unmet longings lead to unwanted behaviors. People experience such a lack of safety when you are constantly bombarded by on social media or uh, on the news or just conversations, this climate of fear that we're living in. Like the, I'm not convinced that the world is less safe than it ever has been, but it seems that way. And that gets to our thoughts and we're constantly worrying and kids grow up in this. Um, and then, so you've got this constant lack of, of the assurance of safety or, or just with acceptance. Uh, I know there's a stat, I think it was from Barna that about 42% of young people say that social media directly affects their their sense of value uh, of their self. And so when you're constantly consumed by, in our day and age, these things that cause your longings to be unmet, you feel rejected, you don't feel safe, something happens with that. It, it affects your view of yourself, of God, your worldview, and then there's certain behaviors that follow. And, and we're seeing that in, in the research with the mental health crisis. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Hey, before we keep going with the conversation, I want to share something with you. The Child Discipleship Forum is coming back. And I don't know if you've noticed, we here at Awana are pretty passionate about this whole child discipleship thing. Each year at CDF, it's our goal to share new perspectives and spark renewed energy for child discipleship. And we are stoked about what our 2023 guests are going to bring to the table. Folks like Rebecca Lyons, Darren Whitehead, Ed Stetzer, and so many other amazing speakers are going to be gathered. And I can't wait for you and your team to join us on September 21st or 22nd in Nashville or online for a time of learning, worship, and community with other Kidman leaders. But here's the thing. If you register right now, you can save $150. Our early bird pricing is only available until March 31st. So register you and your team today by going to childdiscipleshipforum.com to secure our lowest pricing. And I'll see you in September. I think, Ross, uh, my portion of attempting to answer your question, I think we've got to look at the scoreboard. We've got to look at outcomes and then work our way backwards. So uh, in this book right here, A Non-Anxious Presence by Mark Sayers that released just last year, he says that anxiety is the canary in the coal mine. You know, like like what, what can we look to in today's world to be somewhat of a barometer or a dashboard to say there's a problem or what exactly is the problem? So when we look at, and, and uh, Ben, you just mentioned the, the, the mental health, the anxiety, you know, anxiety in children and students is like at an all-time high. Uh, loneliness in adults it has become an epidemic. Uh, 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 the Barnard Group did a study on this in the last 12 or 18 months. And so uh, the what we've got on our hands with our children is almost like this idea of a fish in water. You know, the fish in the water doesn't know it's swimming in water, but let's go a step further. The fish in the water doesn't know the quality of the water, the toxicity level of the water. So, so we as humans, as, as young adults and parents, 
2023, many of us have, have embraced and accepted the quality of the water around us and not really challenged and asked the hard questions, meaning, Hey, my child's 12. Uh, everyone else is giving them a mobile phone. I think I'm just going to go and do the same thing because that's the pressure of the culture. That's the toxicity level of the water. Uh, but I think we've got to push a little harder and say, well, Hey, what, what have humans done for the last 2000 years? Why did they do things that way? What is wisdom? How can I help my child to thrive in 2023? Not what is everyone else doing, but what is the best, what is the best wisdom? Tell me that my child needs today that I can help form my child and my student as a healthy, a thriving adult as a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? Like though that level of kind of reverse engineering and walking uh, through key questions and conversation, that's really what we as parents and those who influence students need to do today is we need to evaluate the condition of the water and the water is filled with anxiety. Well, why? Right. So let's, let's dig into those, to those conversations. And I love that, that Josh McDowell ministries is continuing to bring insight into what those key conversations are so that student leaders and parents and those who really care for our children can really take the best steps forward together. Yeah. So Zach, I want to bring the conversation back to you here because um, I think it's important when organizations like Awana and organizations like what Josh McDonald Ministries is doing, you know, it's easy for folks to perhaps get wrapped up in, I'll say like, oh man, everything is sort of doom and gloom. The enemy's already won, right? Like the, the, you look at stats and you're like, man, things just seem so downtrodden. And yet what is so obvious about just spending a little bit of time in your ministry, interacting with you throughout the course of this conversation is you have stayed true to the gospel and you stayed true to the idea that, um, that the war has been won and it was won on the cross. I'm curious, as you are stepping into this role, as you look at the future, like what are some of the things that are giving you hope on that yes, anxiety is the water, the water is toxic, but ultimately like what we are doing in this next generation is going to bring revival. Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, we can have hope in what's already been purchased and what's already been won. So first and foremost, we, we stand on the truth of the gospel and that's that God is the one who's in charge of everything. Full stop. Yeah. And so from there, we can also engage with our current reality and, and recognize that the things don't necessarily look so good and ask the questions. Okay. So where is God at work now and join him there? I mean, let's look at the past 2000 years of history in which Christians have lived and sought to engage their environment. Uh, I would say we've seen ebbs and flows of what has looked like doom and gloom or what has looked like um, great progress. And interestingly, in the spaces that look like great progress, you're going to see mass adoption of Christianity at a surface level and it doesn't go as deep. And yet when there's also more difficult uh, seasons uh, and Christianity has to go underground, it generates this sincerity of faith that then lasts. And so often we don't see it in the moment. It looks really, really difficult. Let's take uh, China as an example, when the church went underground and years later, decades later, we actually recognized that the church was exploding, except you couldn't actually see it. People were having to ask the question, do I really believe this? And what am I willing to 
put on the line or endure in order to live this out. And that really tests, I think, the foundation of what you believe. Uh, does it have your whole self uh, or is it just the part that seems um, maybe beneficial in the moment or socially acceptable? Mm -hmm. And to your point, Mark, Matt, it's like, let's stop taking stock of what is going on all around us and letting that be the measurement of how we should move forward or the indicator of, of what's okay. Let's, let's take a step back and ask, okay, what is foundational? What is truth? Truth is the component that, that we lean heavily uh, on at the Josh McDowell ministry and then say, what does it look like to live that out in our current context and in our current relationships? And so I have hope because history says so. Um, I have hope because I believe in a God who's in charge of everything already. And frankly, the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing the work. It's not our ability to see the work being done that makes it real it's real. And then sometimes we actually get to see it. So those are a few things that give me hope. That's awesome. You know, the way that you guys talk about on the website, you say it is possible to experience the spiritual, emotional, and relational wholeness that God wants you to have. And I always, that language is really compelling to me because I think, and Ben, you were talking about this earlier in the conversation. I think it speaks to the way in which we have these unwanted behaviors that get in the way of what God is ultimately calling for us. The way that Ben, as you said earlier, God designed us for the garden. Um, this is a big, broad question, but again, from your seat, I'm curious, like, is there a, a particular story of encouragement? Is there something where you guys have done lately, either on a ministry level or even just on a more of a testimony level, an individual level that brings you that kind of joy where you're seeing spiritual, emotional and relational wholeness being brought to life through the ministry? I do a lot of videos on fear, like God does not want you to fear tomorrow. I don't use the term anxiety necessarily, even though I know a lot of these kids are dealing with anxiety, but those ones blow up because what I'm finding is that a lot of kids growing up in fear, they're in their minds worrying about how am I going to do on the this test? Is there going to be a school shooting? Like everything, there's almost like not a filter for the ability to take, uh, take thoughts captive, like scripture instructs us to. And so I get into, Hey, God doesn't want you to fear tomorrow. Here's an alternative to the worldview you're being presented with that God loves you, that he's in control, that he works all things according to the counsel of his will. And you, you don't have to think and worry about everything that you want to. There's actually an alternative. And this has been so liberating. The stories I've seen, the comments, wow, I really needed this. I was, this really brought me hope. Uh, another one that's kind of a, a bigger story with a, this, this guy wasn't Gen Alpha, he was Gen Z, but he had just attempted suicide um, and found our podcast and the resolution movement podcast and realized the disconnection in his life that he was, his relationship with God was almost like purely performance based. This was 2020, his church got shut down. He could no longer serve. So he felt worthless. And on top of that, the relational component, um, there was bullying in his life and whatnot. And so it was like almost he didn't have this reason to live anymore, or he didn't know of the reason to live. Found the podcast on depression and how we can end up in these places because of 
hurts and isolation and whatnot and realized, oh my gosh, now I know why I got so depressed and attempted to take my own life and got involved in, um, with one of his pastors who was a counselor, started drawing boundaries in relationships and started relearning who the God of the scriptures actually is, who loves him no matter what, who he could never perform on his good days, on his bad days. He's, he's loved and valued. He's made in the image of God. And over time, the depression began to go away. He went away to Bible school. He started sharing his testimony. Other kids who had never told anybody were coming forward saying, Hey, that's me. I'm struggling with that as well. And uh, two years later, he's doing well. And he's become such an advocate to help people realize um, how you can get into these places and the spiritual, emotional, relational, and, and physical solutions of the Bible and research that exists that, that God wants to use to set you free. And Ross, if I can kind of double click on that and circle back around to the question about revival and hope, it's that when people like back when Ben moved down to Texas, he actually left me back in Richmond as well for the record. <laughs> but part of what instigated and ignited our relationship was this idea of revival. Mm -hmm. And it's in individuals who experience the brokenness and the difficulty and God comes in and, and he impacts them there that renews a zeal, that renews a commitment that ultimately will lead. I mean, that's kind of the definition of revival, renewed commitment and zeal for Jesus and it causes something to happen in them that almost activates them to be even more of an advocate for uh, thriving, for what God brings uh, right here and right now, because they've experienced it. And so I think the hope is that as people do experience that depth, uh, those are the greatest advocates to then share that with their friends, because there's nothing worse than sharing something that you've never experienced yourself truly. And so as people truly do experience the transformation that God offers, as Ben has talked about through, through free to thrive, it, it, it transforms you into somebody who can't keep it to yourself. That makes me really hopeful. So as we're uh, starting to land the plane, we're beginning our descent here. Uh, one, one thing that has always helped me is when people ask like, what's the one question you wish we would have asked? So let me, let me ask that to you gentlemen, what, what's one thing about Josh McDowell ministries that you just wish people knew? I think of this, a lot of people traditionally have thought of Josh McDowell ministry as purely a classical apologetic ministry and have believed that Josh came to faith because purely because he discovered that Christianity was true and reliable. Um, he would actually say in his, in his story, one of the biggest things that kept him from faith was his view of his father because of his alcoholic father and the abuse he went through. And so the beauty of this ministry is we address the truth and the apologetics and we help address people's brokenness and pain. And, um, and we look to Jesus and how, how he did that. And, and so that's been so encouraging to me being part of, because we need both. We need to know why Christianity is reliable and true. And, um, the, a lot of things you may see on TikTok about the Bible may, 
are that are leading people astray are not true. And so we can defend that and the love and the compassion and the relational component of this is something that we don't just talk about, but we live like people's experiences matter. Their pain matters. What kids are going through matters and they need to have these longings fulfilled uh, through embodied presence of people who love them, accept them, care for them and share the truth with them. Yeah. It's that integrated approach where just as in Josh's story, he put up an intellectual front of how can you believe this intellectually? It was really something emotional and relationship underneath that. And we're actually um, a bit of a precursor here. There's, there's some research that we're doing on emotional doubts. And that's the, the fact that there's a difference between an intellectual doubt and an emotional doubt. And so, so often there are intellectual questions that come up and, and maybe people experience this with their kids, but there's also another component to it that is, is oftentimes a driver of that intellectual question. And in some ways it it's necessary to address both without necessarily explicitly saying that you're addressing both. And so that's what we get to do is we have the intellectual um, side of, of defending what we believe to be true, but there's also the recognition that underneath that, oftentimes there is an emotional and a relational component and, and questions there that need to be answered. Yes. For our listeners, sometimes we call those uh, um, rational emotional and volitional and the rational is the thinking piece, the emotional uh, piece you guys covered, but the volitional is that willful, like I'm digging my heels in. So yeah, we kind of, we kind of see all those as we work through these uh, uh, conversations with our students. Last question for me, you know, um, and Matt, I'll leave last word to you, uh, but if you have anything else, but you know, you guys started by talking about truth in the context of relationships. I think it's very clear that you guys hold both of those things very well. And I think one of the things that's most encouraging for me is the ways in which you're not compromising on either. Um, and Ben, you, especially as someone who lives online as much as you do, I think it's particularly encouraging for your voice, for folks who listen to this podcast to know that genuine relationships can happen, can start that way. Because I think so often we treat it as this wasteland rather than this opportunity for evangelism. So just know, you know, thank you for your ministry. And Zach, you know, just know how excited we are to continue this conversation and how we go forward, knowing that you guys are holding both ends of that spectrum so well. But Matt, I'll uh, leave last word to you, sir. Yeah, so ministries like Josh McDowell Ministries and Awana and so many others, new ministries as well as uh, seasoned ministries uh, were founded on God's word. We like to say we're uh, centered on the gospel. We're rooted in scripture. We're never going to move one inch from off of the Bible. And so as I think about this conversation that we've been having, what, you know, what we share in common, whether, whether it's apologetics or scripture memory or engaging the Bible or uh, relational conversations with students, it's all about how do we lead children and students to Christ and how do we walk alongside them as disciples and help launch them out uh, into young adulthood to be Christ's disciples and advocates. So what is the seminal passage from Jesus's life and ministry to show us what that life looks like? It's, it's the Sermon on the Mount, it's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we were reading it recently 
Um, and right there at the end in chapter seven, uh, as Jesus himself is kind of landing the plane on, on that sermon, um, he, he says, essentially, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially says, um, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. So let's, let's reverse engineer that. So what, what, what we in these two ministries, Josh McDowell ministries and Awana share in common is we want to help you reverse engineer that. In other words, let's start with the end. It's like a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. That's painting a picture. It's a visual picture of the life we all want. We all want to be wise, thriving, happy, joyful with a secure future. So what is it going to take to do that? Let's just take Jesus's words and reverse engineer them backwards. If that's, if that's the picture that we want, we need to put Jesus's words into practice, help kids do that because we've heard them, right? We hear his words and put them into practice. So if you're a student leader, or if you're a leader of students out there who values Josh McDowell, or you want, to, want more information about that or more information about how we can help you in our ministry, that's why we exist. We exist to help you, equip you to help students hear his words and put them into practice so that they'll have a thriving future. As a child disciple maker, you know how it feels for a child or teen to come to you and ask a deep, difficult question, and you feel totally unprepared to answer it. The mission of ChildDiscipleship.com is to equip leaders and parents to disciple the kids in their sphere of influence in those exact moments. Whether they're in your church, your home, or your community, these resources will connect you to the transforming truth of the gospel so that you can consistently walk alongside the kids and teens in your life to help them become resilient disciples. When you have the privilege, as you do, of walking alongside a child desiring to follow after Jesus, ChildDiscipleship.com is here to give you the confidence you need to focus on relationship centered on the ways of Jesus. Check out ChildDiscipleship.com and start having deeper, formative conversations with the kids and teens in your life today. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. The podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Marlon Washington and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard All Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.